It's uh, always a joy and honor. This morning, I want to preach to us a message entitled, The Blessing in the Pressing. The Blessing in the Pressing. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your iPads, your phones, whatever it is, turn them on. If you would, please stand with me for the reading of God's this morning. It's my custom where I go. You don't have to do it when I'm gone. It's just my custom where I'm at. I believe in reverencing the Word of God. Psalms chapter number 119. Psalms chapter number 119. Then we're going to read verse number 71, and then we're going to turn to the book of Exodus. And if you can't find the book of Exodus, just flip over a few pages at the front of your Bible. Psalms chapter number 119, verse number 71, and it says this. It says, it is good. Everyone say good. good. It is good. Everyone say good. good. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. I didn't get a shout in the house there this morning, but it's not me. This is the word of God. It says, for it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. It is good. Everyone say good. good. Everyone say afflicted. I know it's so hard to say that word sometimes. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Turn with me to Exodus chapter number one, Exodus chapter number one, verse number 11 through 12. And it says this, it says, therefore, they set taskmasters over them, talking about the children of Israel when they were in slavery. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them. I'm going to say afflict them, to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramses. And, but the more they afflicted them, this is what I want to focus on. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Let me say that again to us this morning. The more that they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. They were in dread of the children of Israel. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your presence, your power, your anointing that is in this place this morning. And God, I'm asking that you anoint me, God, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. God, I need you this morning. God, and I'm asking that every word that falls from these lips of clay would come straight from your throne room. God, lift me up above, above my talents and my abilities. And Father, we just come with great expectation in this house this morning, knowing you've come to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ever ask, think, or imagine this place. God, you are here to do great things. If you believe that in this house, give God a shout of praise in this house. Amen. Amen. The blessing and the pressing. You may be seated this morning. How many of you enjoy walking through affliction? Nobody in the house enjoys walking through affliction, right? How many enjoy walking through the tough times of life, the bad times of life, the times that it seems so hard to keep going on, the times that it seems to keep serving God, the times that it seems to keep coming to church? Everyone enjoys those kind of moments in life, right? No, none of us ever enjoy those kind of moments in life. But the reality of it is that I want to speak to us. I want to speak to us a very encouraging word because I understand that things that have happened through COVID, I understand uh, things that have happened over the last few years. And, and Pastor Heath, we, we haven't talked as far as individual things, but I do know that this last season has been a tough season for many people within this church. And this church has faced a, a large tough season as a whole over the last few years through COVID and post of just different things that have come against it. But I want us to understand this morning that God is still good. Let me say that again. I want us to understand this morning that God is still good. Despite what affliction, despite what trouble, despite what comes your way, you need to understand that God is still 
good. He is still faithful. He's not left his throne. He's still in charge. He still knows everything that's going on within your life, and he's still there. He's not left you. He's not walked out on you. God is still faithful. But I want you to understand this morning that in the moments that when you feel like you've been set back, in the moments that we, as the believers of God, feel like we've been set back, what I want us to understand that in our setback, our greatest comeback is going to be through our prayer. That's where it's going to be at. Our greatest comeback is going to be through our praise. For the moment that whenever you go to different places and you see and you know that people have been going through things, they've been going through trials, they've been going through affliction, they've been faced with different things, but yet they can still come to the house of God and lift their hands and still worship and praise God. Why? Because our worship and our praise to God is not dependent upon what we're going through. It's dependent upon who he is. Amen. So what I found in my life is for the fact is according to the word of God that when we're going through affliction, when we're going through things, that when we come to the house of God and when we in our own individual times just sit around and worship God is some of the greatest moments we're going to have in our entire life. Amen. You will find all throughout the word of God of people that went through affliction. You will find all throughout the word of God that people went through pain and went through trouble and went through trials. And I want to reiterate to us the word of God is David is writing in the book of Psalms here. And he says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. It is good for me that I've had to face trouble. It is good for me that affliction has come my way. None of us like affliction. But what David was saying here is he was saying that it's good for me that I've had trouble come my way way because without trouble I wouldn't know who the God is that I serve how many of you know that sometimes it's very easy for us to get very comfortable in our walk with God amen amen listen I told you you help me we'll get out of here a little bit earlier so how many of you know that it's, it's very easy to become comfortable with God it's very easy for us to get settled in our comfort zone of where we are. But the reality of it is I've realized too that when trouble comes my way, it is a push to me because we all have different perspectives of the way we look at things. But I've come to realize in my own life that when trouble or affliction comes my way, I don't focus so much on the afflictions as I do the promises and the blessings that God has coming my way when I'm coming out of that affliction. Because the reality of it is, is that we are only pressed because there's a blessing that's coming on the other side you ever go to uh, you study how the the oil is produced you study an oil's representation of the anointing in the holy spirit you study how that oil comes out of an olive it only comes out why because it is pressed it's the only way the oil comes out and the reality of it is is to get the most out of the olive they press it three times that's why jesus went to the garden of gethsemane and he pressed in three times to the place of the last pressing that he went to was like drops of blood that were coming out of his sweat. Why? Because there was a pressing that was taking place because even in the pressing that Jesus was going through, there was a greater blessing that he knew that was coming to his people on the other side. And when I came here on this Sunday morning to encourage Sanctuary Family Worship Center and all the other people that are here this morning as I've come for you to understand that though you may feel like the enemy has attacked you and though you may feel like there has been affliction, and though you may feel like there's been trouble, and though you may feel like the enemies try to take you down, get ready, get ready, get ready, because you're only pressed because there's a blessing that God has that's coming to this area, that's coming to this church, and that's coming to your individual lives that you have never seen before. God has something special for you in this house. 
What I've come to realize in life is that your trouble is not your death room, but your trouble is your classroom. Your trouble is not your death room, but your trouble is your classroom. And I don't know about you, but I didn't like going to school. None of us like having to go and listen and be taught. Amen? But so many times, <laughs> so many times we have to understand that we can't focus on just the trouble, but what is it that God is wanting to teach us? What is it that God's wanting to reveal in us? Because reality of it is, listen, you watch people who go through things, the trouble doesn't define you. It doesn't. Affliction doesn't define you. But it will reveal what's in the inside of you. It doesn't define you, but it will reveal what is there on the inside of you. And if you're facing with affliction, if you're facing with trouble in one season, you've got to realize that God's getting ready to prepare you for the next season. The greater things that he has in store for you in life. You ever asked the question or been in a moment of life in a situation and you said these words? Well, it can't get any worse. Anybody ever said that before? Amen. There's not three or four hands. The rest of you are liars. You need to repent. You've all said that one time, right? We've all said, I just don't see how it can get any worse. We've all been at moments in our life to where it seems like that, to where the affliction that we've been enduring and the pain and the things that's come our way, that it seems like this just can't get any worse. But I want us to understand from the perspective as David, I want us to understand from the perspective of the children of Israel this morning. I want us also to understand from the perspective of a man called Jacob who we'll get to in just a moment. But I want you to understand of how to endure the affliction, how to endure and how to understand that when you come out on the other side, that God has a greater blessing in store for you on the other side. When you look at the word affliction in the word of God and you study it in the Greek and Hebrew, you will find out that this is what the word affliction actually means. It means to be depressed. It means to be cast down. It means to be humiliated. It means to be torn down by others. It means to be put down by others. It means to be mishandled by others. Those are different definitions of the word affliction that comes our way. Everyone ever been afflicted before? We've all faced affliction at some point in times in our life. But within this story where it talks about the children of Israel, you will understand that the affliction that was coming towards them was coming from Pharaoh, was coming from above them, was coming from the enemy. We've all quoted the scripture, right? What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for our good. Amen? Is that what scripture says? That's not what scripture says. Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 20, it actually says, what the enemy meant for my evil, God meant it for my good. Because if God has to turn something around, it means it caught God off guard. I guess I'm done this morning. Nobody's speaking in the house this morning. Reality of it is, is what you need to understand is that before trouble ever came your way, God first already approved it. How can I prove that? Go to the life of Job. Satan's going right before in the presence of God. And God himself asked Satan, he says, well, have you even considered my servant Job? How about you just go test him? Why? Because what the enemy meant to destroy us, what the enemy has meant to try to tear us down, 
God's already okayed it. He's already bypassed it because he says, your relativity is, I see something that's on the inside of you that's stronger than what you really think and believe that you are, so I'm going to allow the enemy to come in to attack you, but because I know what's already on the inside of you, when you come out on the other side, there's going to be a greater blessing because what the enemy means for your evil, God says, I've already meant it for your good. It's the perspective of where we are and what we're going through. I'm very thankful today. One of the slogans for my ministry is love God, love people. Everyone has a story. And everyone within this room has a story. I look across this room and I don't know each and every one of your stories, but what I do know is that your stories are very powerful because your story is your testimony as to who God is and what God has done for your life. We all have stories and every person in this room, if you were to tell your story, then it would be a testimony to others to lead other people to Jesus Christ. But there's one thing that I'm very thankful for. I'm very thankful that because of my story that I don't look like what I should look like. Amen. That I, I don't, I'm not the, I don't look like when you look at me, you don't see the things that I've been through. Amen. Are you thankful for that? That because of Jesus, that uh, the change that Jesus does in our life, that we don't look like what we've been through. Matter of fact, if you look like what you've been through, you would have given up a long time ago. I know I would have been in ministry for 18, 19 years now. I would have gave up a long time ago if I looked like what I've been through. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Christians are mean. <laughs> it's just truth. Amen? <laughs> Reality of it is, if we look like what we've been through, we'd give up a long time ago. We wouldn't even be here today. Right? Just, just give up, walk out. But I'm thankful that I don't look like what I've been through. <laughs> I know some of you look at you, well, you look pretty bad, Pastor Lee. You should really help yourself out a little bit. But that's just stress because I've pastored teenagers for years. So just, just hang tight, amen? What you get to look forward to, Christian, so. But I'm thankful for the fact that when you come to the house of God and we live our life, listen, we shouldn't look like we're in bondage. We shouldn't look like we're in pain. You ever encounter those people that are going through things and you ask them and you meet them out on the street somewhere and it's like, man, how's life going for you? And then it's just like, it's a, it's a Debbie Downer. Ain't nobody by the name of Debbie in here this morning. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's, a, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, you ask someone oh, how they're doing. You know, the reality is, is we should understand that the Christian faith, even as bad as what it gets sometimes, <laughs> it's still great. Our walk with God, God's still good. Listen, if you're saved, this life is the worst it's going to get. You might as well be happy. This is the worst it's going to get. If you ain't saved, this is the best it's going to get. So you might as well be happy as well too. You know this old, old song, don't worry, be happy. Amen. But sometimes we walk around and our facial expressions actually portray what we're actually going through. See, now you're all changing your faces right now, trying to make sure that we all look like different things. Listen, here's the reality. When people see us who do not know Jesus, we need to look like we're free. We need to look like we're saved. We need to look like we're healed. We need to look like we're happy. I know that's hard for church people. Look like you're happy. Everyone just smile. Come on, just smile. See, it does, does, does good, right? Just link to your neighbor and just smile at them. Link to your neighbor and say, you look good today. 
just smile. See, when you just smile at somebody, you just can't help. It just puts another smile on your face, a little laughter in your spirit. Another definition of affliction is this. It is to tear down with words. You see, sometimes affliction doesn't come by being mishandled by people, by being mishandled with hands-on, but it means by being mishandled by people saying things and speaking things to you and about you. Could have swore it said that was a great shouting point. Some of the greatest affliction we go through never comes from people laying their hands on us, but people's words can seem to sometimes hinder us. But there's one thing that I've come to learn is that people's words might can seem to hinder us, but they can never hinder God's power. What people say about you, listen, sticks and stones may break your bones. <laughs> Amen. But words what? Words do hurt at times. They do. Until you understand not what other people's words say about you, but you understand what God's word says about you. Because you see, I could care less about what other people's words say about me. And trust me, I've been called a lot of names. Lots. But it doesn't bother me because I find joy in affliction. Well, you're weird, Pastor Lee. Okay, I'm glad you figured that one out. But I find joy in it. Why? Because the book of Isaiah also tells us that God chooses us in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our fiery furnace, in the midst of what we go through. God chooses us. Why? Because it's in the midst of when we're going through things that God really can see who we really are. Because that's when who we really are comes out. Think about uh, what people have said about things. Think about Joseph, the life of Joseph, how his brothers hated him. All the way until he became very successful. And then his brothers loved him. Amen? Think about David. David, his father, didn't even like him. What scripture says, basically, says that he pulled all the other sons up to be anointed for king and left David on the backside and said, do you have any other sons? No, I don't have any other kids. <laughs> you ever felt like that before? I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but I've been around a bunch of teenagers before and I felt like I didn't have any teenagers before. <laughs> you ever intentionally left your kids somewhere? Don't raise your hand. That's a bad parent, but <laughs> I feel you, brother. I know. <laughs> I know your child. So <laughs> you ever, but the reality of it is, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you want great success for your kids, right? You want the best for your kids. And, and David's dad's like, no, I don't have any other kids. There's not, well, you know what, come to think of it, there is, there is, there's that one other little kid. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why? Because he felt like he was all alone. David, can you imagine? Joseph, can you imagine the words that were said about them? But the words didn't hinder the blessings that God had for him. The words didn't hinder the, the places that God had for them to go. And I love throughout the scripture here when it talks about in Exodus and it says that the more that the children of Israel were afflicted, it says the more they grew and multiplied. Now, now let's, let's put this into perspective for just a second. This isn't just a small affliction that the children of Israel were going through. This was slavery. 
This is with a bull whip behind them. This is with beating them. This is with making them work, making them do the hard things that no one else wanted to do. This was the kind of thing they were going through. But it says that the more that they put on them, the more burdens of their own that they put onto them, the greater they became. Well, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't really add up. Well... Nine times out of ten, the things that God does doesn't really add up to our humanistic mind. But what I've come to realize is, is that the more affliction that we go through, we shouldn't come out divided. But the more affliction that we go through, they came out multiplied. You see, God's not a God of division. God's not a God of subtraction. God's not even a God of addition. He's not. Man are people who can add to, but God doesn't add to, God multiplies. Man can't multiply, but God multiplies. You will find the word multiplication throughout the word of God many, many, many times. I think it's 235 times actually that you'll find the word multiplication in the word of God. But you will find that the children of Israel, that though they were faced with affliction, they weren't defeated by their trouble, but they were empowered by it. Perspective. To use what we go through, to use what the enemy throws at us, to use our circumstances, our situations, to get us to the places to where God wants to bless us. There's a blessing in the pressing. God's a multiplier, not just a supplier. We tend to only want to focus on just God supplying all of our needs Listen, God is the God that will supply all of your needs, but he's also the God that will multiply. He's the God that will give you not just enough, but he is the God that gives you more than enough. Not just enough to make it through, but more than enough so that when you come out, you have more than you ever had before you ever went in. It doesn't add up to us, but there's always a blessing in the pressing. You see, God is a God who multiplies. Why? Because God wants you to become increased. God wants you to become greater than what you were. God wants you to become uh, greater than the other. He wants you to have more authority than what you had going into an affliction on the other side of it. He wants you to be more blessed on the other side than what you were when you went in. God has great things in store for you. I think of the life of Jacob. Jacob, all throughout the word of God, and Genesis chapter number 28, I'm going to read to us just a, a few passages of scripture here for us to understand context of where I'm going this morning. But you know, life can be hard at times. Affliction can be hard at times. We face things that can be hard at times. But there are moments within life that we have to choose to anoint those hard places. There are moments within life that we have to choose to focus on the blessing and not on the pressing. There are moments that we have to choose what God is going to do in and through us instead of what the enemy's trying to do in and through us. And in the book of Genesis, chapter number 28, the life of Jacob here in verse 10 through 22, it tells us, it says, now Jacob went out for Bathsheba and went up, um, went up to Tehoran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night. And because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and he put it at his head. Everyone say a stone. He took one of the stones of the place and put it at his head and he laid down in that place to sleep. 
And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and, and it reached its top to heaven, and there were angels of God who were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and in your seed and all the families and all the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. Everyone say, I am with you. Behold, I am with you and will give you wherever, will keep you wherever you go and will be back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. What a great promise that is that we have from God. That God's not going to leave us. That he's going to accomplish through us what he's promised to accomplish through us. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. To me, that's one of the most fearful scriptures within, in, in, in the word of God. To understand and know that you've been in the presence of God. And the presence of God was all the way around you. But yet you did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took a stone, took the stone, the same stone he laid his head on, and he put it at his head and set it as a pillar. A stone goes to, for a pillow, and then at the end of the story, it goes to a pillar. He takes the stone, he sleeps on it, has a dream, and he takes it and sets it as a pillar. And notice what he does. He takes that stone, sets it as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been lost previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God, if, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is a story within context of us understanding where Jacob has, he's, he's, he's running from God. It's literally what he's doing. He's running from God. He, he, he's, he's trying to do everything he can to stay away from the things that God has for him. And he goes and he finds a stone and he lays down on his stone. And as he lays on this stone, the stone becomes his pillow to lay his head on. And he begins to have these dreams of angels ascending and descending upon the ladders that, that they're in this dream. And God at the top, and he sees this whole dream and he awakens from the dream and he realizes that the presence of God and that God was there, but he didn't even realize it. And when he realized that God had done great things in his life and God shown him great things in that moment, he takes the, the stone that he slept on and he takes it and he places it as a pillar which is a cornerstone, basically. It is a, it is a stone that is a block. And I've been to Israel, and I've been underground to the place where this stone actually is. I've laid my hands on this stone. I've seen it, exact same stone that, that, that Jacob laid his head on. And I've been to this place, and, and around it now is a synagogue. It's, it is, is, is an old synagogue, but it's a, it's a temple. It's a house of God. It's a place where people would come to worship and bring sacrifice. Why? Because in the place that Jacob had a dream, in a place that was a hard place for Jacob, in a place that seemed difficult for him, in a place even when he was running from God, he took that place and it says, and he anointed that place and that place became a blessing to others. Now, why did I say all that? 
Because what I want you to understand this morning is that sometimes what we go through in life is not so much always just for us, but it's so that what we go through can be a blessing for other people so that they see that, well, if they're able to endure that, I can endure that because I know that the God that they serve, that they profess to serve, he's the same God for them. He'll be the same God for me. And when I come out on the other side, I know I can come out victorious. Why? Because they went through it. I can go through it. Listen, God's not a respecter of persons. He's not going to leave you hanging. And if he's done it for them throughout all the stories in the word of God, let's listen to me this morning. God can still do the same things he did then that he can still do today. He can. He's the same God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the same God. But I've come this morning to tell you as an encouraging word that there is a blessing in the pressing. What I want you to understand is that your praise that you are being in this season that you've been in in life, that your praise is about to go from a hard place to a high place. And I know that it's sometimes it's hard to praise God when you're going through affliction. I know sometimes it's hard to praise God when you're going through difficult situations. Amen? You ever came to God's house, came to the house of God and worship team was playing and people were just worshiping and you didn't feel like it? Anybody ever been there? Listen, I've come and I didn't feel like preaching. And I realized I was pastoring in church. I had to. Amen? There's times I didn't feel like, I don't feel like worshiping. That's just facts. Tomatoes just through the air right now. There's just facts that they don't feel like it. But I'm thankful that my walk with God's not based on feelings. Because if mine was based on feelings, I would have given up a long time ago. But my worship is not based upon my circumstances that are around me. Well, Pastor Lee, you know, I just, I just really don't, I don't feel like worshiping today. Okay. David said it best. He said, sometimes you got to put on the garment of praise. Is that not what the word says? What that tells me is that sometimes you don't have any praise. So sometimes you got to reach back through your spiritual closet and find the garment of praise and say, you know what? I know I don't feel like praising and I know I don't feel like worshiping, but I choose today that God is still good. He's still on the throne. He's still faithful. I know I've been pressed on every side, but the reality of it is that though I'm pressed on every side, I'm still going to lift my hands. I'm still going to worship God. Why? Not because of what he's done for me, but because of who he is. He is still God. Well, you just don't understand. They didn't sing the song that I like. Got quiet in the room. Well, you don't understand. Worship ain't never been about you anyhow. See, I'm an evangelist. I'm, I'm just here for the next couple minutes uh, we hit the hit the door and leave and get a check and get a check right, <laughs> right uh, but, but no reality of it is though is listen here's reality of where we are so many times within the christian world in our own life I, i'm preaching to myself when i preach this is that we only want to worship when we feel like it we only want to worship when it makes us feel good I only want to lift my hands when I get the goosebumps. 
that's worship that's based on feelings, not worship that's based on a relationship. Because if your worship was based upon your feelings, that means you're only worshiping God for what he's already done for you. Listen, I've come to realize that my worship, that I, when I come in to God's house and when I live day to day, listen, I, I choose to worship God on credit. I choose to worship God for the days that I know that are coming in my future that I don't feel like worshiping God. I choose to go ahead and worship God and give him praise and glory for the things that are coming my way that I haven't even seen yet. Why? Because there are times that we come in that we don't always feel like it. We don't. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a cheater. He was a liar. Matter of fact, so much of a cheater and a liar, they just named him liar. That's what Jacob means, liar. That's what it means. Throughout the word of God. Jacob was in this season as deceiving. He even came out and he stole the blessing of the birthright from his brother. So the blessing of the birthright from his brother in the place, and he finds himself that he's running from, from, from his brother Esau. He's running from people. He's running from God. He's running on everything. And Jacob is within this story, and he wakes up, and he says, I've been running from God, and I've been in a hard place. I've been in a difficult place. I've been in affliction. He says, and I've been so focused on my own life, and I've been so focused on everything else around me that I did not even know that I was in the presence of God. How is it that we can come to the house of God so many times and others are receiving from God and feel the presence of God? The presence of God is so strong, but we come to the house of God, but because of what we're going through, we don't even feel anything. I don't ever want to find myself in that kind of a place. Jacob says, surely the presence of God was here and I did not even know it. And he picked the stone up, he placed it as a pillar, he called it the house of God, and he anointed it with oil. He chose to anoint his hard place. He chose to anoint his affliction. I don't know about you, but when you sleep on a rock, it's not the most comfortable place to sleep in. Amen? I like a pillow. I like a comfy pillow and a bed. Amen? That's why I never took my kids on a camping trip. I believe in hotels, RVs. <laughs> Say, well, you're spoiled. Sure am, I'm blessed. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I go camping. I love that kind of stuff too. But we all like comfort. But within this, he anointed it. But if we have to understand what happens next throughout the story, you follow Jacob's life. Jacob missed the presence of God in that moment. But you, you, you fast forward into the scripture and you will find the next moment that Jacob has an encounter with God. You know when it is? It's when he wrestles the angel. Y'all know the story? When he wrestles the angel and he says, I'm not going to turn loose of you until you bless me. What Jacob was saying within that moment is he was saying, you know what? The last time that you showed up in my life, I didn't know that you were there. But I'm not going to allow that to happen again in my life. Now that I know that you are here, and he grabbed hold of the angel of the Lord. And he said, I'm not going to turn loose until you bless me. 
He said, I missed you the first time. But I'm not going to allow circumstances and situations in my life to allow me to miss the blessing that God has for me today. He said, so I'm not turning loose of you. And he wrestled with the angel of God until he received his blessing. I wonder what would happen with us as the church if we refused to let hold of God until we received the blessing that we needed. Well, I came down to the front. Pastor Lee, Pastor Heath, Pastor Christian laid their hands on me and prayed for me for about a minute. God didn't move in that minute, so I guess God didn't have anything for me. What would happen, I wonder, if we chose to just grab a hold of God? Even in the midst of our pain, even in the midst of our affliction, even in the midst of everything else that's going on, what would happen if we grabbed a hold of God and said, I'm not going to leave this place until I'm blessed. Jacob anointed the rock the first time. He grabbed hold to God the next time, the angel of the Lord, and he held on. The story goes on, and we know the whole life of Jacob and the blessings that Jacob had and the whole story of the way God used him, used his family to do so many different things. You see, Jacob realized and understood that he was blessed, but he was in a hard place. He was running from God. The children of Israel, they're God's children. They were blessed, but they were in a hard place. They were in affliction. David, he was blessed, but he was in affliction. He was in a hard place. And do you know that sometimes... The greatest blessings that we ever face are in the hardest of places that we ever walk through. Because it's in those moments that we receive our promotion. It's in those moments that we receive provision. It's in those moments we receive power. And it's in those moments we see God like we've never seen God before. You say, you know what? I, I come and I'm going through situations and it's just like I don't have words to say. It's like I can't get words out of my mouth. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Can you simply just say the name of Jesus? Can you simply just say the word hallelujah? Because the word that comes out of your mouth is a sacrifice of praise unto the king that we serve. And even though sometimes we don't feel like it, even in the hard times, even in the moments it seems so hard to make it through, God says, I want to use those moments to bless you. Go back to the story of Jacob. He wakes up. He anoints the rock. Jacob received a fresh anointing in the hardest place of life he ever walked through. We come to God's house and we want God to bless us. We want a fresh anointing. We want the evangelist. We want the pastor. We want someone to lay hands on us. We want to receive from God. But are we willing to endure the hard places? Are we willing to endure the affliction? Because it's in those moments, oftentimes all throughout the word of God, that you will always see that those are the moments where God shows up in the greatest of ways. Notice that it was in the hard place that provoked a glorious dream for Jacob. It was in the hard place 
where God came down and was right there with him in the midst of him. Jacob was in a place in a moment. He said, you know what? I'm going to choose to anoint my hard place. I'm going to choose that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm walking through, no matter what I'm facing, I'm going to choose. As David said, it was good that I was afflicted. Because I was afflicted, I learned more about who you are than I've ever learned in my entire life. Listen, if we wouldn't have sickness, we wouldn't know him as our healer. We didn't have addictions, we wouldn't know him as our deliverer. It's the hard things that we go through that define and realize and show us who God really is. God says in his word, and I go back to this as I'm about to close. Pastor Christian, if you don't mind coming, can y'all do that song, Greater You, Lord? Is that okay? Whoever wants to join him, or if you want to come to the altars, and you answer the altar call first. But I'll go back to this morning for you to understand. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, just so that you understand scripture. And it says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. So we stop right there so many times, though. Let me read you the rest of it. God meant it for good. Why did he mean it for good? In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. What if the hard place is the very place that those that are lost are going to see the God that you serve in and through you going through and facing what you face? What if today we chose, you know what? I might be going through a hard place. Listen, don't give up. Don't stop. I'm reminded of a story, especially since it's Memorial Day weekend. Give honor to those many people, the vast number of people who have sacrificed their life for the freedom that we have. And I know that our nation has its faults in the day and age that we're living in, but still the reality of it is I believe America is still the greatest nation on the planet Earth. And I'm very thankful to be a part of such a great nation. But I'm reminded of a story of when President Ronald Reagan, he gets up and he begins to lead an address and begins to talk about all the markers that are across the cemetery of Arlington. The white markers or the stars of David that are just thousands upon thousands of them. If you never had a chance to go there and see it, I challenge you to go there. It would encourage you. He says that across all of those, there was one that came to mind. A man by the name of Martin Treptow. A man who was in the war, a man who was a young man, a man who left his job in a small town barbershop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. And there on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. He was in the middle of a hard place. And the story that we are told that is upon the, his body that was found as he was trying to carry the message. 
that there was a, a diary that was on the inside of, uh, of his jacket. And they pulled the diary out. And on the fly leaf of under the heading, it says the title, My Pledge, which is known today as the Soldier's Pledge. He says, My Pledge. And Martin Treptow had written these words as he was going to deliver a message in the midst of of a hard place in the midst of a fight in the midst of the battle a soldier of the army a soldier of the military a soldier who was fighting for for not just his own freedom but a soldier who was fighting for the freedom of others and he says that this was his pledge america must win this war therefore i will work i will save i will sacrifice and i will endure I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended upon me alone. That was his pledge. And I wonder today, that's the humanistic side of a man that was fighting for his country. But I wonder if you and I as soldiers as the army of God, that even in the midst of battle, even in the midst of the hard place, that we could have the same pledge. That we could make the same commitment within our own self that Jacob did in his own place, that he chose to anoint the hard place, that we could have the same pledge that we could still say today. The church must win this war. Therefore, as a soldier of the army of God, I will work and I will save and I will sacrifice and I will endure and I will fight cheerfully with a smile on my face and I will do the utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle that lives being saved and going into the kingdom of God, I will do everything that I can as if the whole thing depended upon me. I wonder if you and I could have the same pledge, if you and I could have the same tenacity, if you and I can make the same commitment to choose that in our pressing moments to understand that there's a blessing on the other side. To understand that in the hard moments, sometimes we're going through a hard moment, but I choose to anoint it with the oil of gladness. I choose to anoint it with the Holy Spirit. I choose to understand, God, you've got this whole thing already worked out, and I know I don't see it. I know I don't understand it all, but I still choose to praise you. I'm going to fight. I'm going to save I'm going to sacrifice. I know it's going to cost me some things. But I'm going to give my utmost. I wish to God that we had people within the church today that were willing to give their utmost. That means that you're willing to give everything that you have. No matter what the cost. I'm willing to fight because the reality of it is those lost loved ones those people in this community those people in this parish their soul is depending upon can you still serve God in your heart place can you still worship God can you still anoint in the hard place David said it. He said God was good. 
was afflicted. Because it got me out of my comfort zone. It was good that trouble came my way. Because on the other side, there's a blessing. Listen, it's 1224 this morning. But I look across this room and I see story after story after story after story. But I see people in this room this morning that you're burdened down because of a hard place. Children of Israel said the more that the enemy pressed them, the more that the enemy afflicted them, the greater they became. First and foremost this morning, you're in this place and you would say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My life's not in the right order. I know about God. I've heard all the great things about Him. But I don't have a personal relationship with Him. Say, I need to know that He is my Savior. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Say, I need to know that Jesus, I want to give my heart and my life to Him. If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up? Anyone in the room this morning? I trust this morning that we're all saved. Won't you stand with me all across the room? Go check that just to make sure. You're here in this place this morning. And you'd be honest with God. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't play games in the church. I don't, I'm not worried about what people think about who you are or anything like Listen, that doesn't matter. The most important thing is, who does God think you are? You'd be honest with God this morning. You'd say, you know what? You know what, Lee? I've, I've been going through a hard place. I've been going through what seems like affliction. I've been going through moments within life that it's, it's, it's hard. And it's been difficult to keep standing. It's been difficult to keep worshiping. It's been difficult to keep walking through. But, but I, I, I'm going to give it. I'm going I'm to try, but it's been hard. Lee, I'll be honest with you. That's me. I've been facing a hard place. Would you raise your hand right where you are? All across the room. You be honest with God this morning. You say, you know what? It's been hard for me to keep worshiping. It's been hard for me to keep moving forward. I've got a hard place in my life. And I need to anoint it this morning. If that's you, you say, I've got a hard place this morning. I want a fresh anointing. And I just need to let the devil know that I'm still going to serve God, that I'm still pressing on, that the blessing on the other side is greater than the pressing that I'm going through right now. If that's you and you raise your hand or you didn't raise your hand, and you would say, that's me.